Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I am your host, David, and this week we are talking about the devil, um, Satan, Lucifer, Black Philip, what have you. Um, the reason why I wanted to talk about the devil is because I think one of the longest lasting and also one of the most harmful misconceptions about witches is that we are devil worshippers, so that we are Satan worshippers, etc., um, and I know that there is Satanism and there is Luciferianism and things like that. And I'm not referring to actual established practices and faiths. I'm referring to the harmful stereotype that witches, um, are engaging with the Christian character of the devil, which is not true. Um, there might be some that work with Lucifer um, or even perhaps Satan in some way, but it is not the devil of the Bible. It is not the Christian Satan. And I think that is an important distinction to make. So I'm going to be clearing up some misconceptions as far as the devil and the ways the figure of the devil has been applied to witchcraft. And we're going to talk about the devil as a mythological character and kind of some of the history of that and where some of these stereotypes come from. So let's get into it. So... The devil, of course, um, in Christianity, is kind of the primary opponent of God. Um, he's called the serpent. He is said to be the snake in the Garden of Eden that deceived Eve, tricking her into eating the forbidden fruits. Um, he is supposed to be kind of the dragon-type uh, character at the end of the world that's referenced in the Gospels in the Book of Revelation. Um, the devil is sometimes called Lucifer, particularly when describing him as um, an angel that had fallen specifically in um, more of the Older Testament, and the reference in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, to Lucifer, which means the bringer of light or the son of the dawn, is actually a reference not to this mythological figure of the devil, as we've been taught, but is actually referring to a historical king of Babylon at the time, because it was a um, political writing. Um, similarly, Beelzebub is the name of a Philistine god, um, more specifically a certain aspect of the god Baal, who is Lord of the Flies, but is also used uh, in the New Testament as a synonym for Satan, although not, it was not a correct assumption that they made. Um, in other kind of non-mainstream Christian belief, the word Satan in the Bible is not regarded as referring to anything supernatural, but rather the darker negative aspect of human nature that wants to do wrong. And then... Um, and kind of the non-canonical, apocryphal Christian texts in the Book of Wisdom specifically, the devil is represented as the one who brought death into the world. Um, particularly in the second book of Enoch, there's a reference to the Watcher called uh, Satanael, describing him um, as a prince that was cast out of heaven, or an evil spirit, perhaps. So just to say, like, this understanding of the devil has changed a lot even within the same religions um the way he's described and the mythology around him has changed over time so let's talk about the word lucifer specifically specifically the word lucifer um there's a lot of misinformation there's a lot of appropriation going on so lucifer is originally associated with the planet venus because due to the way venus um appears to move in the sky in a way that's very discontinuous and kind of unique. A lot of mythology surrounding these Venusian figures 
involves some version of a story from something falling from either heaven to the earth or perhaps from heaven to the underworld, etc. Um, and that this is common among many different beliefs. So interpretations of a similar term in the Hebrew Bible that's translated into the King James English is the proper name Lucifer. And this kind of led to a tradition in Christianity of applying the name Lucifer to the fall of Satan. But um, we know now through like modern scholarship that that translation is not completely correct and Lucifer is not Satan and that conflation is false because Lucifer literally means the morning star or the shining one, the bringer of light. And we'll talk about why that's important. So as a name for the devil, um, rather than Lucifer, it's actually more common to say um, Satan, and as far as Christianity goes. Um, but Lucifer, as a name for the planet and its morning aspect, is called Lucifer, which means light bringer. And in the Greco-Roman civilization, it was a god. It was a minor god um, who was said to be the son of Aurora, who was the goddess of the dawn. And he had a nocturnal, um, like, nighttime aspect as well, which is called Nocifer, or Noctifer, and that just meant the bringer of nighttime, because it was a reference to the astrological phenomenon when it's like the midway point between the night and the day. So it was referring to his two aspects of being the dawn and also the night. So the motif of some sort of heavenly being striving for the highest seat of power in heaven just to be cast down into the underworld has its origins in the movement of the planet Venus, and Venus is the morning star. Um, so the Sumerian goddess Inanna, who is called Ishtar in Babylon, is associated with the planet Venus as well, and that goddess's actions and several of her myths refer to her descending into the underworld, and this kind of appears to parallel the motion of Venus as it progresses through its uh, synodic cycle. And a similar theme is present in the Babylonian myth of Etana, and it says, The brilliancy of the morning star, which eclipses all other stars, but is not seen at night, may easily have given rise to a myth such as was told of Inanna and Zu. He was led by his pride to strive for the highest seat among the star gods on the northern mountain of the gods, but was hurled down by the supreme ruler of the Babylonian Olympus. So this fall from heaven um, motif has another parallel in Canaanite mythology, which, if you're not familiar, a lot of the Canaanite mythology and even their gods are kind of precursors to um, Judaism, which of course led to Christianity um, eventually. So in ancient Canaanite religion, the morning star is, person, uh, excuse me, is personified as the god Atar, who attempted to occupy the throne of Baal, the highest god, and he was unable to do so, and then descended into the underworld and ruled there instead. So basically, he tried to take over heaven from the chief god, which is Baal, and he couldn't do it, so he kind of gave up and settled to be the ruler of the underworld instead. And the original myth um, may have been about a lesser god called Hele, and he was trying to dethrone the high god El, um, but there's some debate on kind of what that actually means. So, but uh, the Erdman's commentary on the Bible argues that there's not really any evidence within Canaanite myth or imagery to show someone being forcibly thrown from heaven, and that's why modern interpretations now think that he wasn't thrown from heaven, he kind of just gave up and decided to go to the underworld on his own. But um, in the book of Isaiah in the Christian Bible, it argues that the closest parallel with Isaiah's description is not referring to the Canaanite myths, but they're really more so about politics at the time, of course. 
and we see some more traditional ideas of the Jewish people in the story of Adam and Eve. They're cast out of God's presence for wanting to be like God. And in the book of Psalms, chapter 82, it says of the gods, plural, um, calling them the sons of the Most High that were destined to fall. And the Jewish tradition kind of talks about in their apocryphal texts um, in the book of Second Enoch that there's a falling down, referring to the fall of human nature in the Garden of Eden because we gave in to sinfulness and temptation and it wasn't a literal falling from heaven, but it was a symbolic fall of the nature of mankind into um, separation from God. So in classical mythology, Lucifer um, was the name of the planet Venus, and he literally was personified as a god who had a torch. Um, another name for Lucifer was also Phosphoros, which meant light bringer, or Hesphoros, which meant bringer of the dawn. And Lucifer was said to be the son of Aurora, the goddess of the dawn, and Cephalus. And Cephalus was another mythological figure, and he was the Athenian son of Hermes, supposedly. Um, and he was, Lucifer was, um, excuse me, presented as kind of bringing in the changing of the day-night cycle, kind of. And Lucifer's mother, Aurora, is also a cognate to the Vedic goddess Ushas and the Lithuanian goddess Asurni. Um, they're all associated with the dawn, the coming of the morning, etc. So there's there's no association with Lucifer with the Judeo-Christian devil. Um, he had his own origins. He was a Greco-Roman figure. Nothing about his character or his origins had anything to do with the devil as we know it now. But Judaism and ultimately Christianity linked the planet Venus, which was the embodiment of Lucifer, with this idea of something being falling or cast down from heaven. And that's kind of where we get this modern-ish um, myth of Lucifer being the devil because he was cast out of heaven by the Christian God. So this was a lot. <laughs> and I know that was a lot of information, a lot of backstory. Um, but I feel like it was necessary to kind of lay down some context of what this has to do with witchcraft, what does it have to do with Wicca, um, etc. So, um, as Christianity spread out of the Roman Empire and eventually through Europe, etc., they were conquering and they were colonizing people groups that were not Christian. They were pre-Christian, they were pagan, whatever you want to call them. So this concept of God versus the devil was not really a thing. Even within Judaism, there's not really the devil. Um, there is the character of Satan, but Satan was not seen as the devil that we talk about now because the devil um, is a Christian character, not a Jewish one. Satan in the, uh, the Jewish text is seen almost kind of as um, God's... I guess, um, counselor, arbiter, somewhat. He would go before the throne room of God and he would remind God of the sins of mankind. He wasn't causing the evil, he wasn't causing the sin, but he was pointing it out to God so that people could be judged. That was kind of his role. He wasn't really evil, He was that was his function. Um, Christianity put a lot of this evil devil stuff onto this character later. So Christianity is spreading out of the Roman Empire. They are colonizing... Um, other people that are not Christian, of course, and a lot of 
pre-Christian deities had horns. Um, Kroninos comes to mind. Pan comes to mind. Um, these kind of obscure deities that were part man, that were part animal, they had horns, they often had hooves. Um, they were associated with kind of the wilderness and just the wild, untamed nature of creation. Um, it was about wildness and sex and freedom and reverie. And that's what that represented. But as Rome was conquering and Christianizing these newly acquired territories, they had to bring um, these pre-Christian people under their influence but if you think about it if you were to have been conquered by rome at that point your emperor is foreign he's not your countryman you don't relate to him they worship a god that you don't know and you have been worshiping your old gods for a very 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 long time so how do you kind of bring them into the fold so to speak you tell them that hey your god that you've been worshiping for all this time and that your parents worship that your grandparents worship he's the devil and then they describe the devil to you as having horns and hooves and leading you into the wilderness to dance naked and sell your soul and all these things. So they, they attach this narrative of evil and of otherness onto their God that had nothing to do with the devil so that they could demonize it and therefore bring them under Christianity and then by extension under the authority of Rome and of the Catholic Church. Um, so... Like, for those that don't know, um, the Wiccan god, without um, really anything too specific, is a horned god. He is called the horned god, the horned one. So it's really easy to see that and see this image of this powerful, very hyper-masculine, very um, wild, untamed, kind of seductive um, divinity and then see the characteristics that were applied to be the devil, and then say that it's the devil, and that witches worship the devil, when that's just not true. Um, are there some traditions now of Satanism, Luciferianism? Yes, there are. But it is more so seeing him as a character that is the personification of freedom and of free will, and of emancipation from tyranny, or Lucifer and his original mythology seeing him as the bringer of light and the bringer of wisdom and it's a similar figure to like prometheus like i stole the fire from heaven and i'm giving it to mankind kind of thing so there, there are not witches that worship the devil as christians understand the devil satan yes lucifer yes there are people that do that but it's not what is thought of in popular culture um as being the devil and the wiccan horned god is certainly not the devil he was branded as the devil on purpose by an oppressive colonial force that was Christianity. So in a collection of folkloric and kind of magical practices that were supposedly collected in Italy by Charles Godfrey Leland, who some of you may have heard of, he published in his book called Aradia, which is sometimes called the Gospel of Witches. And the figure of Lucifer is featured very heavily as being both the brother and the consort of the goddess Diana, who is also the father of Aradia, who of course is the main character. And they are at the center of what he said was an Italian witch cult. In Leland's mythology, um, Diana pursued her brother Lucifer across the sky like a cat pursues a mouse. And according to Leland, she divided herself into light and darkness. So I'll read a quote from here, which says, 
Diana saw that the light was so beautiful, the light which was her other half, her brother Lucifer. She yearned for it with exceeding great desire, wishing to receive the light again into her darkness, to swallow it up in rapture, in delight, and she trembled with desire. The des desire was the dawn, but Lucifer, the light, fled from her, and would not yield to her wishes. He was the light which flies into the most distant parts of heaven, and the mouse which flies before the cat. So here again we see the motions of Diana and Lucifer are again mirroring the celestial motions of the moon and the planet Venus. And though Leland's Lucifer character is based more so on the classical personification of Venus, he did kind of incorporate some Christian elements as well because um, he references a fall from heaven, which again, that was not the original mythological understanding of Lucifer, but just the nature of the culture that Leland was in at the time of the writing, that influence did kind of make it in there. So he says, Diana, greatly loved by her brother Lucifer, the god of the sun and of the moon, the god of light and splendor, who was so proud of his beauty, and who for his pride was driven from paradise. Um, and that's what that's referring to, is heaven is paradise, and he's fallen from heaven. Um, I hope this kind of gives some clarity. I know that that was kind of a lot of backstory and a lot of history, but I did feel like it was necessary. Um, and if you want some more information to, there's a lot of stuff I'm going to link. I'm going to link a look to um, Charles Godfrey Leland's book. I'm going to link some of the articles I referenced in this episode as well. And I'm going to probably continue to talk about this a little bit more um, just because I, again, I think this is one of the most harmful misconceptions about Wicca and about witchcraft in general, not just Wicca. Um, you know, we had the whole satanic panic in the 80s, and there's this whole gross, complete falsehood that, you know, witches are evil, and we drink the blood of babies and sell our souls to the devil, and that's not true. It's like we're, we're the victims of a very long history of oppression and of appropriation and colonization and Christianization against our will. Um, perhaps not us directly, but certainly people that we are descended from either in spirit or literally <laughs> just the peoples of Europe at that time. And I think that that's a good distinction. And we see that, you know, to this day, especially in the Western world in particular, especially, you know, places like the UK, the US, you know, Canada, Australia, etc., where Christianity is very um, prevalent. Obviously, we are afforded more rights and privileges and protections now as religious minorities than we ever really have been, but it, it can still be challenging to espouse the beliefs that we hold without stigma because Christianity is so ingrained into the culture of much of the West. Um, let's talk a little bit more specifically about horned god and kind of how this happened so the horned god is the consort of the mother goddess and he is kind of the male aspect of divinity and so Doreen Valiente she's um, a former high priestess in the Gardnerian tradition of Wicca she was one of um, Gerald Gardner's high priestesses she claimed that the Brickett Wood Coven by Gardner called the horned god Kornos, um, who was a pre-Christian um, Celtic deity, the Horned One. Um, and Valiente claimed that this coven referred to him by other names, not really going to get into that. Um, there's a lot. But many 
horned deities are known to have been worshipped in many cultures throughout history. Um, so evidence for horned gods appear very, very early in the historical record. Um, and there's a figure that's called the Sorcerer, and he's uh, it's talking about a, like a cave painting um, found in France, and he was referred to as a great spirit or the master of animals. And it's one of the oldest things that we have to reference for not even witchcraft, but just spirituality in general. Um, so that dates back to perhaps as early as 13,000 BCE and 21 red uh, deer headdresses made from the skulls of red deer and likely fitted with leather were found there as well. And a lot of these theories about that have led to kind of this modern kind of neo-pagan worship of a horned god. So um, Margaret Murray, um, obviously she wrote her book about the witch cults, which we now know is not um, completely accurate. But she proposed the theory that the witches of the early modern period were remnants of a pagan cults, and that the Christian church had declared the god of the witches as being the devil. And we know it's not completely true, but there is a little bit of validity to it, just in the general sense that Christianity has a tendency to label anything that is not Christian as evil or satanic or demonic. So obviously not everything that Margaret Murray said in her book is completely historically accurate, and I'm not saying that you should take it as such, but I am saying there is a lot of demonization by the Christian church of things that are not their god, with the horned god being an example of that. So Murray claims that these various depictions of humans with horns are from, you know, various kind of Indo-European sources, and she believed this model of the horned god cults is kind of what gave her her theory. So, um, and this popular image of, like, Pan, for example, the Greek god Pan, um, was kind of removed from its classical context in the writings of the Romantic era, like the 18th century or so, and it connected it with certain ideas of, like, pastoral England. Um, and I understand, I understand this because as witches, and if you are someone that does worship the horned God, like it, it's, it's wild and it's the wilderness and it's the untamed nature of existence and it's freedom from oppression and from tyranny and it's nonconformist and it's kind of out there in the liminal spaces. And I get why that's scary to some people when you're used to, especially if you come from a Christian background and you're used to being told what to think and told what to believe and told how to behave and you have everything decided for you by this all-knowing, overbearing God in the sky that isn't part of you and it's not part of the earth and it's not part of us. Like that's when we present them the horned God and talk about freedom and emancipation and agency and power over ourselves and our God's here with us now and tangible and he's in the earth and all around us and inside of us, like that's scary and it's threatening to the system. And I understand why they felt the need to label this as something that was bad or evil. So if you are a witch and you do involve yourself with the devil or Satan, awesome. That's really cool. Um, no judgment for me whatsoever. I just wanted to clear out the misconception that witch does not equal selling your soul to the devil and other kind of bad stereotypes that have been linked to us for such a very long time. 
So this was very wordy. I know this is very um, heavy and kind of mythology and folklore and history and maybe not the most exciting episode I've ever done, but I did feel like it was important. I hope that it helps. I hope that it helps dispel some concerns either that you have had coming out of a church background or maybe you're listening to this and you have um, a family member, a friend, a loved one who is interested in witchcraft and maybe this is a fear that you had. Maybe you're afraid that they are doing something um, satanic or evil. And I just hope that this gives you some peace of mind. And if nothing else, I hope that it has opened your mind to the possibilities that there's more to the story than what you've been told um, by the church. So that's my rant for the day. This um, I am going to post a second episode that's not about this, so that this isn't like the real episode of the week. Because I know this isn't like super fun to talk about. But um, I hope this helps. And that's all I have to talk about today. And I will see you guys uh, next time.